Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Last week, we talked about conviction. We talked about that in the midst of a, of a larger series we've been doing on Holy Spirit. Seeking to understand Holy Spirit more as a person of the Trinity alongside God the Father and Jesus Christ. And understand how this person relates with us and what it means for this person to live within us. Jesus made a statement in John chapter 16 that it's to our advantage that he goes away. In other words, you're better off that that Jesus isn't here physically with you because the helper would come. So Jesus sees the time that we live in as more advantageous than the time that he was on the earth with the disciples. So we've got to kind of explore that because it doesn't always feel that way, does it? And we have thoughts like, if I could just sit with Jesus, if I could just like be with, be like Mary, like sit at Jesus' feet. But Jesus is saying, no, there's something better for you. There's something more advantageous for you because of the time that we live in, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that justified you being reconciled to God so that he could put his spirit within you and me and walk in close fellowship together. So we've been exploring what this looks like and what it looks like to to live in step with the Spirit, with the Spirit inside of us. And uh, as I said last week, we talked about conviction and how the the Spirit brings conviction into our lives. And really, another way to say that is the Spirit brings illumination to our lives, turns on the lights to show us what's really going on. Have you ever been surprised when the lights come on before? (laughs) Adam's nodding his head. You look around, and that can be all kinds of different situations, right? You turn the lights on, you're like, was not expecting that. And that's kind of what happens when the, when the Spirit comes into our lives and flips the lights on. We're like, wow, we can see more clearly. You can see more clearly, and you look, and you're like, oh, I can see more clearly. Oh. You have that experience before where, like, you uh, maybe have, like, in our, in our bathroom, we, in the past, we had a couple different lights. And you could put one on, and it's more dim, and you put another one on, and it's, like, over the mirror. You put one on, you're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm good. And you put the one on over the mirror, the bright vanity lights, you know, like, oh, Lord, no. Sometimes it's like that when the lights come on. I don't know about you. That's how it is for me. So we talked about conviction last week and how the Lord invites us into deeper fellowship, closer fellowship with him. And as he illuminates things in our lives that we need to respond to, we respond in repentance. Jesus says in Mark, Chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe in the gospel. So this is a a commandment to us, repent and believe in the gospel. But I don't know about you, I wonder how many of us, how many of you feel like like you've been around church stuff and like you know that you need to repent, right? Like that's generally like that's a thing, you know that that's a thing that you're supposed to do, but many times we don't know how to do that, right? A lot of the things we feel like we're supposed to do, we don't know how to do. And that gap creates a lot of tension in our lives, right? So we're going to take that up today. What does repentance look like? How to do that? First, I want to to kind of invite you into something I've been reflecting on this past week. And it's about how we're all like a 15-year-old girl, okay? You with me? All right, where are we going here? 
How many of you have ever been to a quinceañera? Anybody? Tony, I thought so. Anybody else over here? Quinceañera. I grew up way out in West Texas, and the biggest party around, the biggest production, the most money thrown down was on a quinceañera. And a quinceañera is 15th birthday celebration, Latin American tradition, um, 15th birthday of a girl. And think about prom and bump it up about 10 notches. And you're somewhere around quinceañera. Food, music, dancing, family. I mean, just like a party to celebrate this life, to celebrate this girl as she, as she turns 15. So, yeah, the, the quinceañera that I've been to, man, legit parties, legit parties. Dancing Tony? Did you dance some cumbia? Was that, huh? Un poquito, Okay. Um, partying, right? So imagine, uh, so the, the dress, typically a quinceañera dress is like, is again, prom dress bumped up a few notches. So imagine this, uh, this girl for her quinceañera is like, parents have thrown down a lot of money. Everybody's there at the party and she's wearing her dress. It's colorful. It's elaborate. It's custom made. And she's walking and she's got her new high heels on. And she's not that great at walking in high heels yet because she's 15 and high heels are just weird. No offense, but I don't. anyway, she's walking to the party, and uh, it's evening, the, sun, the sun's gone down, and, and everybody's there, the music's going, and, and she's walking in, and she sees a mud puddle here on the side, and she's walking along, and she thinks, like, I wonder, how, how close can I get to that mud puddle? What if I just kind of creep over by it? She's walking by it, walking, gets a little close to the edge, gets really curious, and then suddenly just falls in. Next thing she knows, she's sitting in the mud puddle. She's sitting there in the mud puddle, and, and she notices that the mud actually feels kind of good between her fingers, and her shoes have flown, flown off. It feels kind of good between her toes. The warmth of the day is still kind of there in, in, the, in the mud, you know, and uh, starts to kind of take it in, and, and it feels so good. She starts to kind of rub it on her legs, spread it around. She starts having fun. The next thing you know, her whole dress, her whole body, it's all in her hair. Her hair's all matted with mud, and then... The door opens up to the venue, and it's, and it's uh, her parents calling, Hey, where are you? Hey, where are you? And she remembers, and she looks down, and she sees where she's at, and she sees where she's meant to be, where she actually wants to be, and she sees that there's a big space between here and there, right? It's a big space between here and there. So this is, the, this is the sense that you and I are like 15-year-old girls. And some of you in this room might even be a 15-year-old girl. Anybody? <laughs> okay, we'll take that up later. Um, see, we're like, it's like the Father's calling us there. He's, he's calling us saying, hey, where are you? Hey, Mike, where are you? Hey, where are you at? And you look down and you're like, oh. This is not where I want to be. This is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not where I'm called to be. I'm in the mud. And the party is over there. And so the Father is calling. And the Spirit within is the one who brings illumination to your situation to help you see where you're really at, to turn the light on and to see that you're covered in mud. And then the Spirit, through your response, helps you to get from here to there. 
the Spirit doesn't just leave you here, right? The Spirit illuminates and then enables. Okay, so illuminate and enables. The Spirit illuminates and then enables you to get there, to where the Father is calling you. This is a picture of conviction and repentance. There's something greater. There's something more. There's something more that you're called to. There's something more to this life. There's more freedom. There's more joy. There's greater effectiveness. There's a deeper sense of calling. Deeper relationships that are not just broken. And our response as the Father's calling us is to say yes to God. Jesus says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. So we're talking about a 15-year-old girl, right? We're also going to talk about a butcher, a leaky roof, and a couple of other things along the way and figure out how these things fit together, right? I want to talk about a few different aspects of repentance. And as much as we can in the next bit of time, we're going to talk about how to see it, how to own it, and how to say it, okay? So taking us forward to get from here to there. See it, own it, and say it. So we got to see it. We got to see it. So just like this girl in the story, she needs to look around. Repentance starts with seeing the reality of where you're really at. Looking in the mirror with the lights on, not just looking in the mirror, but turn the lights on and look in the mirror. Because those are two different things, right? Those are two different things. But to turn the lights on and to see where you're really at. But some of you, or how many of you are thinking, I don't need any help to know that my life's a mess. Thank you. Anybody have that cross your mind? Thank you very much. I know I'm a wreck. I didn't come to church to hear about how messed up I am. Thank you very much. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. But here's the thing about seeing is that it's not just about you seeing. It's about you seeing the way that God sees. It's about you seeing your situation the way that God sees it. A friend of mine was telling me about a story of uh, visiting Israel and he looked out into a, into a field and there were a flock of sheep running and they were running behind a man. And he looked out at his friend who lived around there. He said, Where, who's, who's the guy up in front? Who are they running behind? He said, oh, that's the shepherd. And he looked back on this side and there was a guy chasing the sheep. The sheep were running away from him. Well, guess who that was? He said, who's that guy? He said, that's the butcher. Oh, Okay. The sheep are chasing him. They're running away from him. See, we got to figure out what, how we're seeing. Paul says in Romans 4, too, that it's God's kindness that leads us. It's his kindness that leads us in repentance. It's his kindness that leads you from here to there. See, but what the work that we've got to do is to figure out how we're seeing. We've got to figure out whose voice we're seeing or we're, we're hearing. We touched on this just briefly last week. Because as we start to look at our lives, this is kind of what happens. We start to hear a voice, a kind voice saying, hey, I'm going to help you get from here to there. But another voice interrupts. And maybe it's your abusive mother. Maybe it's your fourth grade teacher who told you you're an underachiever like mine did. Maybe. <laughs> I'm all right. Don't worry. Um, maybe, you know, other people in your life currently, maybe society around you saying you're not good enough. 
and you're not measuring up because of this, you're a horrible mom, you're a terrible dad, you're a horrible person, you will always be like this, what's wrong with you? Anybody ever asked you that question before? What's wrong with you? Not a helpful question, is it? Not a helpful question. The Spirit doesn't come to us that way. The Spirit comes in kindness. But other voices come in unkindness. They come in condemnation. And they come in a way that speaks to your whole self and says, what's wrong with you? The Spirit comes and says, you did this. Let's make it right. Other voices come and say, you are this, and it can't be made right. It's out of reach. It's impossible. But the Spirit comes in specifics and in kindness and leads us step by step by step. So we got to see. This is the first part in us walking in repentance. That we got to see the truth. But it's not just seeing with your own eyes. It's seeing the way that God sees your situation. Hearing the words that God says. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And he makes a promise. He says, my sheep know my voice. Now, if you think this morning that Jesus' words are true, then I want you to hang on that for a second. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. They hear me. And they know my voice and they follow me. It's in you to know his voice. It's in you to hear his voice. If you're following Jesus and the spirit within you pulls like a magnetic pull, pulling you toward Jesus, pulling you to the father, pulling you from here to there. See, but we get caught up on this like, well, I don't need help knowing that my life's a mess. Thank you very much. So we shut down and we walk in an extreme, right? We, it's either like we get totally down on ourselves and we're just get into perfectionism and we're always trying to fix ourselves or we just give up. And one of the ways you can know if you're walking in perfectionism is if you demand it from the people around you. You demand it from your kids. You demand it from the other people in your life. And if you're harsh toward them, it's usually because you're pretty harsh on yourself. Start with some compassion for yourself. Or we're on this side and we're like, hey, I'm just going to live the way that I want to live. Don't judge me. No, don't speak badly of me. Just accept me the way that I am. But you guys know this saying, right? And there's truth to it. That God loves you the way you are. He loves you where you are. But what? But too much to leave you there, right? He loves you in the mud, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He's going to pull you forward. He's going to pull you forward. So we got to see, we got to see the, the reality. We got to see the reality of where we're at. We need it to be illuminated. The second thing I want to talk about is that, what is the second thing I want to talk about? See behind it. Okay, so I said own it. We're going to switch it up. Sorry, curveball. Uh, we need to see behind it. So we see it and we see behind it. All right. So I want to tell you a quick story. A husband cheated on his wife. Horrible situation. Horrible situation. When, and then it started to, to, to come to the surface. So he was walking in denial and finally he brought it into the light. Faced the truth. Finally, he got to the point of seeing it and being willing to see the reality and to quit hiding it. 
And when he started to see it, he could start to see behind it. When he started to own it, that enabled him to see behind it. In other words, it allowed him to ask why. It allowed him to ask why. Why is this going on? What was behind it? Well, it turned out for him that it wasn't just perversion. It wasn't just that this guy just really wanted to chase all these other women. When, when, when he started to dig into it, what he found was that he thought that he was worthless. There was abuse in his background as a kid. He carried that with him. His perception of himself was that he was worthless and that he didn't deserve his family. He didn't deserve his wife. He didn't deserve his kids. Not only that, but that they would be better off without him. So he started to see the situation and he could see behind it. He started to own it and then he could ask why. And the why was much deeper than expected. And as he started to dig into the why, started to dig through the why, God started to give some steps forward. Because again, just coming at that situation saying, what's wrong with you? That's not helpful. It doesn't pave the way forward. He was able to start to say, I did this instead of I am this. See, we've got to start to see what's behind or underneath the problem. Jesus always addresses the heart. And not just the action. Jesus is not interested in behavior management. For those of you who are parents, we got to get this through our skulls. Jesus is not just about behavior modification, behavior management. He's about heart change. And we can see that as we shepherd our kids, that a lot of times we want behavior to change because we're embarrassed by it, right? If we're honest. Like, I want my kid to quit acting that way because it's embarrassing to me in public. we got to get over that to reach toward the heart. And I'm not saying that that's easy and that I have some formula to, to arrive at that. But this is the way that Jesus works with us, the way he works with people throughout Scripture. It reminds me of a time that I was, uh, a little while back, I was in the Congo, Central Africa, and I had a, was blessed enough to have a roof over my head, not just a roof, but a metal roof. And um, rain started falling on the roof, gets louder and louder throughout the night. And everything's fine until water starts dripping onto my bed. And um, it kind of makes it hard to sleep. Water's dripping on my bed. So I get up about 2 a.m., move the bed over, get back into bed and sleep on the other side. And then it starts dripping from that side. So then I get up again at about 3 and move it to the other side. And I'm contemplating jumping into bed with my, my uh, roommate, who would have been totally weirded out by that, but... So then about 3.30, I moved my bed again, and, and, I, and finally, I, just out of exhaustion, I don't know, around 5, I go to sleep, and I wake up in a wet bed. And that's not the first time that's happened to me having four-year-olds in my house, and some of you can relate with that. It's not a pleasant experience to have a wet bed for any reason, but that, that situation, moving the bed, of course, didn't solve the problem, did it? You got to get up on the roof. You got to get behind. You got to get above the problem. You got to get behind the problem. You got to get below it. You got to get under it to be able to see it, to be able to see what's really going on. You got to own it first and admit that there's actually a problem before you can understand what's behind the problem. What are the, what are the roots of the problem, right? But it's a little bit embarrassing to get up on the roof because everybody knows you got a problem, right? Well, why is he up on the roof? Well, it must be leaking, right? It's embarrassing to seek help. 
It's embarrassing to shut down your business or take a break or whatever you need to do, you know? It's embarrassing. But when the Spirit begins to illuminate, we begin to see, we can begin to see behind, we can begin to see under. The third thing I want to say is that, so we, we see, we see behind, and then we say. There's a, do you have an image with that? Is there another slide? So check this out. Some of you may have read the story. Actually, quite a few stories like this. This is from 2012. A man accidentally fired a nail into his head as he was doing some handiwork around his Chicago home. I think handiwork might be an exaggeration. Um, So, he believed he brushed the gun past his head, which caused the sensor to accidentally release a nail. Unsure of what had happened, he asked his fiance to check his head and see if there was any blood. She said everything seemed okay because all she could see was a small gash. He went on working, plowing snow, chatting with his family for the next 24 hours before realizing that there was a three and a half inch nail lodged deep in his head. After the incident, uh, Tuesday night, He uh, continued about his day and didn't notice that anything was wrong until he woke up from a nap Wednesday afternoon and felt nauseous. She took him to the nearby hospital for a checkup where they did a scan of his head, which resulted in a very scary X-ray. It's a miracle, she said, unfreaking believable. Quote. The nail had just narrowly missed the portion of the brain that controls motor function, so he was able to carry on with his normal activities. All right. And there's an expletive at the end of the article where he's asking how he's going to plow the snow in the upcoming snowstorm. All right. So I mentioned this last week. Our our forgiveness depends on us opening up. And our healing depends on us opening up. Just like this guy, he had to go in and, and get seen, Right. He had to go in and have someone look deeper into his life in a, in a physical sense to, to show him what was really going on. 1 John 1.9, John makes this statement, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. We, a lot of times we don't like this two-letter word that, that this sentence begins with. If, do we? There's room for just discomfort and uncertainty. I want you to get that. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us. There's a mandate for us to open up. There's a mandate for us not to just cover up. Secondly, James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that's the second thing on this in opening up and saying what's actually going on is that our healing is our healing depends on opening up. And we know that in a physical sense, right? Like you got to uncover the wound so that it can be cleaned, so it can be made well, it can be assessed. We've got to open up our lives so that and I don't think the problem is with God. I think the problem is more with us being able to receive. Cuz when we're holding on to something, we can't receive something new, right? When we're holding on, when we're Sitting in the mud, we can't get from here to there, right? And the Father's saying, come on, I want to give you something. I want to give you something. You're like, nope, I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to this. 
when we let go, when we open up, when we let go of our pride and our shame and everything that holds us back, we can receive the forgiveness that God wants to give us. We can also receive healing. And something I want to point out is that there's a difference there. There's a difference between forgiveness and healing. And you could say, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're wrapped up in one another. But a lot of times for us, what we do when, when we walk in some sort of sin is that we're, we're often content to just be forgiven, right? And we're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Okay, I'm good. But we need to go a step beyond that to receive healing in our lives. For, for that, imagine, like, during that span of time that you're not walking in God's will whether it's something that you're looking at and viewing, whether it's something that you're doing, something that you're saying. There's a, there's a span of time when you have removed yourself from, from, uh, from like the, the protection and fellowship of God, you know? And, and we've got like, to come back and, God, restore me from that time away from you, Right? Restore me from that time that, that, I, that I rejected you, that I rebelled you. And as, like, what I, so what I'm trying to say is that we don't just stop at good enough. We don't just stop at forgive me. We need to take a few steps forward and say, God, restore me, heal me. There's something more for me. It's not just God, forgive me for being in the mud, but take me to the party. There's something so much more that you want for us. There's something so much more that you want for me. Not just I'm so sorry that I'm here, but help me get there. Not because you hate me and you want to slap me and you want to punish me, but because there's so much more that you have for me. In my own life, and I think that this is true for all of us as we walk with Christ, we have kind of a, um, an illumination moment where we open up our lives for the first time. And there was a time when I, I had been a Christian at this point for for a couple of years before I finally said, okay, this is who I really am. This is who I really am. And I sat across from a friend and I had made a decision. No, I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, my conscience is going to be broken for the rest of my life. I just have to live with that because I just can't talk about this stuff. And I sat across from a friend and I said, I need to, I need to talk to you. And I had did the whole false start thing. I just, I just, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm trying to get from here to there, right? Just in this situation, I'm like, I just got mud. I'm covered in mud. Yeah, and then it all just comes out. It's like Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But when you look at that yoke from the outside, it looks heavy. And then when you take it, when you put it on, you find out that you're actually lighter than before, right? You with me? You find out you can move more easily when you take on Jesus' yoke, but it looks so heavy from the outside. And so in this kind of situation where there's something in your life that you got to get out into the open, it seems so heavy and impossible. And then when you take that step, you find out that you've let go of some baggage. You've taken on the light yoke of Jesus. And you're actually lighter. You're more free. In my life, the, the, thing that, the, the thing that my friend said to me that changed me forever, he said, okay, now I know you, and you need to know that I love you. I know you, and I love you. And it destroyed me <laughs> in the best way possible. Because the thing is, I had never been really known up to that point. And really, in a deep way, you can't really be loved unless you're really known, right? 
Because the other person is not loving you. They're loving like a facade of you, a false image of you. But when we, when we really get down to it and we make ourselves known, then we can really be loved. And it's love that takes us from here to there, right? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So I, I want to I make this clear that this is not, as we, as we talk about repentance, first of all, this is a gift. Repentance is a gift to us, and it's also a lifestyle that we enter into. This is not a one-time thing. We're like, okay, repented, check, I'm good. This is something that in an ongoing way, God is inviting us to the party. God's inviting us to so much more, to such a, a, a deeper, more rich lifestyle of deep relationship and fulfillment and joy and all kinds of great things. And he's calling us and, the, the, and repentance is, is our response to say, yes, Lord, I'll take a step with you. Yes, Lord, I'll take a step with you. I just want to hit that hard and say, this is not about you feeling bad about yourself, okay? That's not the goal. That's not the goal at all. There are times when the lights come on that we need to have that response, I am guilty. Yes. I feel ashamed about what happened. I feel ashamed about what I did, but it's not who I am. Because this is my calling. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm called to. All right, so uh, I think Shannon mentioned this earlier. We're going to move into a time of application of the word. Um, the question for us is, what is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? All right? What is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Jesus told a story about two builders. One was wise and one was unwise. And uh, the unwise one built his house on the sand and it washed away the other. And the wise builder built his house upon a rock and it stood when the storm came. And the difference was they both heard the words of Jesus, but only one did the word of Jesus. So we're going to apply the word. We're going to ask this question. We're going to, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than what we're used to. We're going to have... Uh, some different ways to respond, depending on, on where you're at. We're going to have some music, right? You guys can go ahead and come on up. All right. Um, some of you are at a place where you need to, uh, where you need to just sort of take in and, and, see, and see what's going on and have the Spirit bring illumination. Some of you are at a place where you need to take steps and open up and share. Some of you need some help to see. Because you're just so used to beating yourself up. You need someone else to just help you. See, no, no, no. This is God. This is how God really feels about you. This is how he sees your situation. So we're going to have a few different opportunities here. First of all, we're going to have some people um, ready to pray. And they're going to be standing over on this side of the room, correct? So we're going to have a group of people who are just available, ready to pray. Seek them out. Find them. We're also going to have space up in front to come up and pray if you want to come up here and kneel or just stand, put your hands in the air. There's nothing magical or mystical about this space up here. It's just, it's a physical demonstration of what's going on inside, all right? It's a step forward saying, I'm, I'm going to take a step. It's a commitment, okay? Um, some of you may need to just stay where you're at and just write down in your journal or make some notes about things going on and what God's saying to you. Some of you may not 
that may not hit home with any of you, and you're just like, no, I'm just going to like sing and reflect, and, and, and that's fine, all right? That's totally fine. We just want to create some space here for reflection and response. So I'm going to pray to lead us into that. And after this, we'll, we'll say a couple more things and, and wrap up our time, all right? So Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you that you call us. You call us from here to there. You're preparing something for us. We are your masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the good works that you have prepared for us in advance. We are your handiwork, your masterpiece, and you are calling us into so much greater things, God. And I pray that you would help us to hear you and not just push ourselves, not just kick ourselves, but hear you in your kindness. Call us and lead us. Help us to say yes to you today, Lord. Amen.